This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. We're speaking today with Dr. Sarah Janke, a resident fire service research expert, about the impact of long COVID or symptoms of COVID that stretch on for weeks or even months after a supposed recovery. But first, a word from our sponsor. At MSA, your health and safety drive us to develop highly advanced safety equipment to protect you on the job. MSA's Globe Gear is performance and protection in perfect balance. It's designed to meet the challenges you face every day to help keep you safe and healthy during your career and beyond. Get the full story at msafire.com slash globe. That's msafire.com slash globe. Dr. Sarah Janke is the director and a senior scientist with the Center for Fire, Rescue, and EMS Health Research at the National Development and Research Institutes. With over a decade of research experience on firefighter health, Dr. Janke has been the principal investigator on 10 national studies, as well as dozens of studies as a co-investigator. Most recently, she's written for Fire Rescue One on the coronavirus, the COVID vaccine, and now the topic of long COVID. Sarah, thank you for joining us today on the show. Oh, I'm excited to be here um, to talk about a very depressing issue. Yeah, yeah, that's the sad part of this is, you know, not everything we do gets to be, uh, uh, you know, the, the sexy topics that everybody wants to hear. This is one of those topics that everybody needs to hear. So I appreciate you spending time with us today. Doc, yourself and Dr. Denise Smith uh, wrote an article for uh, Fire Rescue One recently, and it was titled Long COVID, Understanding the Long-Term Risks Following a COVID-19 Diagnosis. And for our listeners, we'll include a link to that article in the uh, show notes. But let's dive into it a bit for our listeners. So some are going to argue that so few people die from COVID that there's really not much to be worried about. But the reality, as you've seen, and I think as most of us that are uh, in leadership positions have seen, the reality is, uh, and in fact, you say it in the article, you, you know, you spell it out in the article, that the reality is that death is not the only issue. And there are some very serious long-term consequences that we face. Can you talk kind of in broad terms about long COVID and what that is for our listeners? Yeah, you know, I, early on, a lot of people would talk about COVID and say, well, it's similar to the flu. You know, the rates of death actually were higher than the flu, but, um, you know, I was not, one of those. I mean, in, in full I, disclosure, you know, I was one of those. Well, and early on, we didn't know exactly what the data yep. would look like. And yep. and so I, I think it's understandable. And it seemed like maybe this was just overdone. Um, and, you know, then as it kind of unfolded, the rates were higher. But I think one of the concerning things is even if the rates, let's say death rates have been exactly the same as the flu, um, what we're seeing with COVID and what's kind of bearing out as this goes on and on is that the after effects, you know, typically you get the flu, you feel bad for, you know, a few days, then then it gets better. And what we're seeing with COVID um, in the literature that's coming out is that there really is a... Um, long-term, you know, this COVID long, so four weeks or more that people are having symptoms, 
Um, and it just seems to be going on and on for a lot of folks. And, you know, for some folks, we don't know how long it's going to go on because they got COVID early on and they're still seeing, um, you know, they're still experiencing symptoms. And so that's what there's a lot of research looking at what exactly does that mean? And it's, you know, there was some speculation early on that it would be just people who had severe COVID initially. So, you know, people who were hospitalized mm -hmm. um, and about 87 to 90%, depending on the study you're looking at, um, still reporting after they get out of the hospital, if they are hospitalized, that they are experiencing symptoms of COVID. Um, but the, the, well, to me, fascinating, but really scary thing is the number of people who don't have a really, um, some of them who were even asymptomatic initially, you know, people who were not hospitalized, but then go on to um, have long-term symptoms. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a scary thing. Um, but yeah, long COVID, we're referring to just those cases that keep going four months or long, or four so, weeks or longer. So it really, to me, it really is the first well, maybe not the first, but it's essentially the first bit of definitive proof that this isn't just like the flu. Yeah. You know, if if 90 percent of the people that go to the hospital for the flu are fully recovered within, what, two weeks, I believe you yeah. say in your article. I but, think so. Yeah, but 87 percent of the people that come out of the hospital for COVID-19 still have symptoms a month later, a month or more later. That's what that's what the numbers are looking like. You know, there's some sampling challenges with that in terms of like looking at exactly, you know, you can look at insurance records and things like that. But yeah. I mean, it's a high, even if it, even if it's not exactly 87%, I mean, even if it were half that, it's still sure. significantly higher than yeah, it, other, um, other illnesses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do the symptoms of long COVID manifest similarly, similarly in folks, you know, when we talked COVID-19 in the, uh, in its infancy, at least, the kind of the telltale sign for us was loss of taste, loss of smell. Um, if somebody said, hey, I, I just lost my smell or I just lost my taste, we said COVID, you know, go, go yeah. get tested. Um, so as we talk about long COVID and the symptoms, do they manifest similarly like that, that everybody has the same thing? Or can you take us through some of those symptoms? I, well, that's the other interesting and really bizarre thing about this infection is that it's not the same for everyone. Um, what we're seeing in the reports coming out is it's anything from like a, a pretty long and broad list of what it can be. A lot of people do complain of fatigue or the COVID fog, you know, where they just feel like um, they can't really quite think straight. Uh, headaches, loss of taste and smell is really common, definitely um, dizziness, but then also like chest pains or heart palpitations. A lot of people talk about having difficulty breathing or a cough, um, some joint muscle pain. And then, and I know we'll get into this, but um, psychi psychological issues, people, you know, really struggling with insomnia, depression, and anxiety, kind of long-term. So, but the challenge is it really presents itself a little bit differently for different people. And I've heard of some other just really bizarre symptoms that people are not sure what else to attribute it to. One of the things that Denise has talked about um, doing that we're working on getting up and running is to be able to collect from the fire service what they're hearing and seeing, you know, whether it's firefighters or or the um, providers that work with them, because there's just such a broad range of, of symptoms. I mean, it just, the infection really just incites the storm within your body that, um, leads to a lot of different clinical conditions and, and long-term consequences. And yeah. some of them I think we won't know until, you know, five years from now. Sure, sure. So, I mean, let's, let's talk about that for just a second. Um, you know, you mentioned in the article uh, pathological changes that, um, you know, can occur in folks 
because of, you know, it, like anything else, it compounds and it leads to this and leads to that. Can you talk about what some of those things are that you're seeing potentially um, these effects, especially if left untreated, right, or or if not treated effectively, leading to what? Right. Well, and really, it's everything from kind of clotting disorder issues. So, you know, things like MIs or strokes, hypertension or and challenges with hypertension for people often who've not had any issues with their blood pressure, um, pulmonary congestion and fibrosis. There have been some reports of cardiac damage where they go in even for folks who, um, you know, it were asymptomatic or had minimal symptoms initially that well, they'll go in and look, um, you know, do do look at their heart afterwards and find that they are um, that they're having heart issues or heart inflammation has been definitely one thing that's coming out in the literature. Um, this excessive immune response, just kind of long term inflammation of the body, um, neurological disorders, which, you know, again, the altered mood or the brain fog type thing is is also really common. It's just a um, I mean, and, and it exhibits differently with each person. So, you know, some some folks are struggling with more than one of those um, changes, and then some people, you know, are more severe than others. And, and, and again, seems to be unrelated to the initial diagnosis and symptoms and how those were affecting people. Yeah, I mean, that's really challenging stuff. I mean, that, this is this is the kind of stuff is is people that continue to want to press that. Uh, oh, this is just this is just like the flu. For the people that want to continue to press that narrative, I mean, they they really need to look at the facts and um, understand that, you know, we we have not only people are dying, people die from the flu. Okay, I'll I'll accept that uh, part of the comparison, but I don't see any discussion of, especially every year with the flu as it comes through, with this discussion of people having clotting disorders and uh, you know significant cardiac damage and neurological disorders that are directly tied to the effect of having the flu. No. I mean, this this couldn't be farther from that in my you know in my non-clinical uh, eyes, right? No, I and I would I would completely agree with you, and I think that you know every day we're you know I read the articles as they come out from you know the major uh, medical journals, and and it's just. Uh, pretty much just bad news all around and then it's more yeah. bad news yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, let's, yeah, know, let's not trying to make every everything negative at it uh let, let's talk about the reality what's the likelihood that covid patients will ultimately experience long covid symptoms so there's again not great um not great data because anytime you ask like if i were to put on on social media hey if you had um if you've had covid and have long-term symptoms, what are they? Or how many of you have long-term symptoms? I mean, the response is gonna be, it's gonna pull for people who've had COVID and who have long-term symptoms. You know, they're gonna be interested in sharing that more sure. so than the person that was asymptomatic. So the estimates are anywhere, um, I've seen the low end estimates of 2%, high end estimates of, you know, like over 75%, which I don't think is accurate either. Um, I think most of the epi stuff I'm reading is settling, you know, somewhere be, I. I think the best number, especially for the fire service, is right around 10%. I've talked to a lot of providers who work with firefighters, and that seems to be the number that they're coming up with, um, that I'm hearing from more than one department, that of the folks that they have who had COVID, about 10%. And now that's also, you got to keep in mind that the fire service is a different population than general population. Although it, it, it is interesting because COVID long tends to be in like teen to 50-year-olds. So you don't see, a, it's not as much in the older population. Um, but 
that for some reason, something about that age group, to, which is another weird thing about COVID is that it's really impacted different groups differently. Side effects are very different to the vaccine by age group and those types of things. But I, based on the conversations I've had with the um, physicians, I know that treat first responders and firefighters in particular, I would say probably best guess are around 10%. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, sad stuff, but uh, stuff that we need everybody to hear and we need everybody to understand. Let's pause for just a second uh, for a word from our sponsor. Scientific studies have proven the lighter weight and more flexible footwear isn't just about comfort, it's about safety. MSA Globe Superflex boots are state of the science. With unprecedented flexibility and grip, plus athletic footwear construction, Superflex performs like a boot but feels like a sneaker. Globe, athletic gear for firefighters. Get the full story at msafire.com slash globe. That's msafire.com slash globe. Doc, we uh, published a very powerful article on Fire Rescue One recently, um, and the title was, I Mowed My Lawn Today. A forced change in perspective due to long COVID. Uh, for our listeners, we're also putting a link to this uh, in the show notes, so you'll be able uh, you'll be able to see it there if you haven't read it already. It, it was written by a lieutenant from Rhode Island who uh, had a rough experience with long COVID. Uh, does his? I know you've read it. Uh, you, you've read the article. Does his experience mirror uh, what you've seen? from COVID long haulers. And before you answer that, I want to point out that his um, contact with us came as a result of your article. And, um, you know, he read your article and understood from that, that what he was experiencing was exactly this. And um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's good that it's resonating with folks. It's unfortunate that it's resonating, but it's good that folks are getting the word out. And, and his article is very powerful. Does his experience mirror what you've seen in other long haulers? For for a lot, yes. And what I loved about his article is that he talks about, you know, he talks about the physical symptoms and how challenging that is. But I think that maybe even more frustrating than that is the, um, I, I mean, the frustration with basically being unexpectedly disabled and not knowing when or how it's going to get better. Like he, he does, I think, a fantastic job of, um, kind of capturing that fear and that sense of like, wow, I, I I didn't expect this. I didn't think this would happen to me type of thing. So I, w I actually love the article. I would highly encourage anyone who thinks that this might not be, I, I forwarded it already to a few people who I'm having ongoing conversations with, but I think he does a great job of kind of capturing the experience. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what you're seeing. And that's why I think you're seeing some of the, um, why you're seeing some of the psychological challenges too, in addition to just the, you know, the, the biology, but also because, it, you know, being very unexpectedly um, really disabled for a lot of people sure. is, is a, it, 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 it's not a good thing. Well, and especially when you're in such a uh, dynamic profession, um, you know, a fire rescue law enforcement to be so dynamic and, and uh, energized in what you do typically to all of a sudden, like that, be shut right. down. Yeah, I, I certainly get the psychological effect. 
Well, I, I, you know, I do think that there was, it was really easy early on to grab onto that it was just older people. It was just people with, you know, some other symptom or some other um, risk factor. And, and I think sometimes it was, you know, people believed that it was people already on their deathbed who were, who were dying, which, you know, that was a higher risk and a higher rate. But I think that the challenging thing for the fire service, I mean, I, I'm familiar with a couple departments where um, folks who are relatively healthy, you know, 20s, active in the fire service, active, you know, out fighting fires on a regular basis and feel like they do a great job at it, um, and now medically retiring because they have kind of no end in sight to that. And and I don't know, you know, talking to Denise, she's very concerned about what, you know, her, her area is cardiovascular health. And she's um, very concerned about what this is going to look like in the future and, and what the underlying um, cardiovascular risk profile is going to look like or how that's going to change based on based on long COVID and the yeah. impact of that. So as we think back to uh, the lieutenant's writing, in, in his experience and kind of what we've talked about, there's no real linear path that these symptoms are following. Can you go through what you've seen uh, as the ups and downs of what these symptoms are as they're returning weeks or even months later and then continuing for periods of time? Can you talk about those experiences so people kind of understand both what to be looking for, but also can have that shared experience? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it depends on, it really depends on the person and there's so much variety in the way this is presenting with folks. I think, you know, for some of them as they realize, whoa, wait a minute, I, you know, I mean, people like live with that brain fog type thing and feel like, I, I am I just tired? Am I just, so I think as people kind of start tracking that back to realizing what it could, you know, that there could be this underlying um, biological mechanism as a result from the infection, I think that's helpful in understanding and then setting expectations for yourself that are that are appropriate but a lot of people are just seeing this you know where it just keeps hanging on like having a cold or the flu that just won't go away um so that's what how people are describing it that it's just kind of lasting forever they're out of breath for a long time and and it slowly often slowly very slowly gets better or a lot of people talk about they start to feel better and then it feels kind of like a relapse and so it's um you know there's no unfortunately no like universal path for this from what we're hearing so it's almost like a bad cold that just won't go away. Right, right. Yeah. That has all sorts of other bad symptoms on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and hey, I'm depressing myself worse. today. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've talked about the physical impact um, and we've talked a little bit about that psychological impact. Let's let's shift there to the psychological side. And, you know, we have been decrying our professional lack of attention to behavioral uh, health for years. Uh, you know, I do a piece on um, in every class I teach on Grandma Jones and the 10 chairs. And, you know, eight of the chairs are the first eight chairs are the people who die in fires every day. Once, you know, once every three hours, somebody dies in a fire. That's the first eight chairs. The ninth chair is a firefighter that dies in a line of duty every three days. And then the 10th chair I tuck up in the corner. And that 10th chair tucked up there in the corner is the firefighter or EMS professional who dies from suicide once every three days. And the reason it's up there in the corner is because we don't do a lot of talking about it. We tend to push it in the corner and, and we'll talk about that later. And it's the same thing with all of these psychological uh, effects and the psychology of impacts that, like I said, we've been decrying it for years. This is just another punch in the gut for our folks. 
-hmm. you know, having another situation that's going to potentially drive someone over the edge. So can you talk about what doctors are seeing with behavioral health and what our folks can can do to both recognize and, and deal with the issues? Yeah, well, and I so I think it's twofold in this in this approach because I think you know we do know that data coming out from people who have experienced COVID who've had a diagnosis they are more likely about a third have um, some sort of psychological issue within um, six months I think is what it is anxiety and depression most frequently and when they compare that to people who have non-COVID um, illnesses so an infection like the a cold or flu and see mm-hmm. their position. Uh, you don't see that same those same numbers. So we know that there is like a biological underpinning of what's probably leading to some of the depression and anxiety. But on the other, for, for the folks who've had COVID, on the other hand, I think um, not not I think I know from the work we've done in the fire service at looking at the impact of COVID. We have a, a FEMA funded project to look at that, and there is has been a huge hit. The pandemic has been a huge hit to everyone. You know, I mean, there's nobody who hasn't struggled at some point through this. I mean, I think the take home from all of this is just pandemics suck. We, they're, yeah. they're no fun. You know, they're, they're no fun for anyone. And so I think everyone's struggling, but I think first responders are struggling kind of in a different, um, in a different way. I think we're hearing a lot about just the uncertainty throughout the process that was stressful on first responders. Um, you know, a lot of people are struggling with the, especially early on, people struggled with the unknown. Known, but what we're hearing now is that, you know, the, a lot of departments have had resources, you know, they have great peer teams, they have great behavioral health programs. And what we're starting to hear now is we're just getting so much burnout from the firefighters who, you know, who are trained to help other people who are, and, and those folks who are trying to help the helpers, we're starting to hear that they're just, you know, getting to the point where it's, it just doesn't end. And, you know, I, when I talked to, um, Frank Lido from up in FDNY, he was talking about the experience and, and comparing it and contrasting it with 9-11. And he said, you know, the, the difference with this is 9-11 happened and then, you know, we were, we we had things we had to do and then we had like a way to move forward. And he's like, this just, it keeps going. And it just, you know, it, it the unexpected and the, the um, and, and the uncertainty and the, you know, certainly the, the media has not done a great job. There's, and with, Kind of going back and forth on on um, messaging on on these types of things, so I know that that's been a challenge. But I but I think being in the on the front line, there front line, you know, there's been a lot of discussion around how uh, fire and EMS were not initially prioritized. But it's I, I think we should tag it the front or er line, like even before healthcare providers in the hospital setting. I mean, firefighters and and EMS are the folks who were going into the houses of the people. So it's. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir there, sister. I uh, I had uh, an awful lot of heartburn with that myself, but yeah. Oh yeah, we're I I think we should call it the fronter or the fronterist of the front. <laughs> I'm thinking about a T-shirt or a hashtag. Yeah, I'm thinking there's some uh, uh, educational specialists that are going to be uh, contacting you on the verbiage <laughs> that you have uh, selected for that. However, I will buy a shirt. <laughs> Perfect. um, it's going to be amazing yeah yeah so i mean ultimately you're right it's the 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 folks are getting tired uh and that's exactly what i meant about this is just another punch in the gut uh and i you know the behavioral folks the behavioral health folks are even getting tired 
-hmm. So, you know, the, the constant barrage of uh, illness and uh, the activities that go on with our work, it uh, certainly did not add, um, it, it did not help, we'll say. So, as, as you, can you speak clinically about how firefighters can best manage long COVID symptoms? And um, as you talk about that, are there any medications that can have a positive impact? So I would, I mean, I would say that for anyone who feels like they may be struggling with, with COVID long symptoms, definitely, you know, follow up with their primary care, get into the doctor just to make sure that things are being tracked and any tests that need to be done are, are being done. It is interesting, and this is um, in terms of what's been helping with the symptoms, and again, unlike other um, other infections that we've had to face, about a third of people who who have had COVID, who are experiencing COVID long symptoms, who get the vaccine, say that they see a pretty, um, I wouldn't say sudden, because they tend to be, most of the reports say that it's a couple weeks after the vaccine, after they receive the vaccine, but it starts, um, their symptoms start to get better. So, and they think that it has to do with the, you know, that it's basically training your body. You know, these vaccines are, are amazingly effective at training your body on how to fight it. And so maybe there's, you know, something about the vaccine that's teaching your body exactly how to fight off the the response and, and uh, what reduces symptoms. But I think that's a fascinating, a fascinating finding. Yeah, I would say I, I, it's interesting. You typically wouldn't say vaccines, you know, to, oh, if you want your symptoms to go away, you should get a vaccine, but that's what about a third of people are reporting. So. Hmm. So really the best advice we can give people, and, and generally this is the best clinical advice anyways, see your primary care physician. We can't answer the question uniformly for everybody on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I would say, so I would definitely say, see your primary care physician. The other thing that I would say too, is connect with other folks who are struggling with it. Because this other thing, I think that this is, um, you know, for the for the physical stuff, definitely primary care doc, but for the psychological of this, um, talk to other people who are going through it. And I know there are a couple like Facebook groups where people, uh, you know, firefighters in particular are connecting on this issue. And, and I think it's important because this is just a bizarre, um, you know, more stressful than I think, um, kind of like what the, you know, FCSN does the cancer support. I think COVID long folks struggling with that need some support because it feels so weird. Yeah. Yeah. As we come to a close here, are, are there any big takeaways for firefighters and really all first responders uh, on this thing we're calling long COVID? I, I think my big takeaway, and this is when I'm screaming from the mountaintops, is get vaccinated. I know there's been a lot of debate about, you know, should you, shouldn't you? The data really is in at this point that, you know, it's it's safe for most people. It's effective for, you know, 95 to 99%, depending on the study you look at and exactly which group they're looking at. It's very effective. Um, and, and death is an awful thing, but so is long-term disability or health consequences too. So I would say, you know, for, for those who have been waiting now's the time yeah absolutely i i agree 100 is there anything else you'd like to add doc i think that's it i appreciate that you guys are talking about this because i think it's um i, I don't want to see it be something that we don't talk about and then i think there's because i think there is kind of a stigma around having been diagnosed with covid um and i think 
it's important that we keep an eye on this and realize it's you know it's just a consequence of of the infection it sure sure well i appreciate your time with us uh, we have been talking with uh, dr sarah janke our resident fire service research research expert um, about uh, long COVID, the effects of long COVID. And some takeaways from our discussion, um, we talked about uh, the uh, effects uh, across the uh, paradigm of the, the fire service and how um, there is now definitive proof uh, based on the, the long-term effects that we're seeing come out of this, that this isn't just like the flu. Um, the, the flu has a very defined uh, uh, pattern, as a doctor talked about, and um, uh, Dr. Janke talked about that the flu, within a couple of weeks, most people have recovered. 90% of the people have recovered if they had been to the hospital within two weeks of leaving the hospital, as opposed to uh, roughly 87% of the people who have had COVID who come out of the hospital still have symptoms uh, months later. Uh, if that's not definitive proof that we're not dealing with just the flu, I, I really don't know what is. So I appreciate that uh, perspective. Uh, we talked about the symptoms of long COVID and how they manifest differently uh, in different people and different segments of people. So there's not one specific thing that uh, we can say this is a, a direct result of the COVID or this is a direct symptom that you're going to see from long COVID. Uh, but certainly that shortness of breath manifests in a lot of uh, folks and uh, chest pains and the different pieces that go along with that. Uh, we talked about uh, how the pathological changes that occur because of the, the domino effect of things within the body can lead to many other physical and psychological challenges. So very important that folks get in and get treated uh, for COVID and the continuing long COVID so that uh, they can do everything they can to avoid those uh, future physical and psychological challenges. Um, we talked about uh, how approximately 10% of um, the population is likely to suffer long COVID. So when we talk about uh, the uh, aspects of the pandemic and whatnot, uh, we're not talking huge numbers of people, but that's still a big number. 10% of the population that may suffer from uh, long COVID. So people need to watch that. We talked about behavioral health and how uh, one-third more people who have COVID uh, are suffering from psych uh, suffering psychological effects, one-third more than the people that come out of normal flu or other illnesses. So of the people that have COVID, one-third more of them are suffering psychological effects than from other illnesses. And we talked about how uh, firefighters and behavioral health uh, folks are getting tired. They're getting tired of the continuous barrage, uh, not only from COVID, but everything else. Uh, and that COVID keeps dragging on and dragging on and dragging on. Uh, and that everything with the masks and all of the pieces that are important to keeping us healthy um, are beginning to really wear on folks. And uh, important that we continue to monitor that. Uh, we talked about uh, what uh, firefighters can do to manage long-term COVID symptoms. And really the best advice that uh, Dr. Janke gave was to see your primary care physician. There's not one piece of advice that we can give um, over you know, this podcast to say, hey, this is what you need to be doing. She also suggested reaching out to other people that have been through. So other peers that have been through the same type of situation uh, so that, uh, you know, you can have that shared experience. 
Uh, we talked about how, uh, with respect to that, we talked about how one third of the people who got COVID and then got vaccinated uh, saw quicker improvements than others. So as as Dr. Janke said, it, it may seem odd to say, uh, once you got the disease, get the vaccine and you'll get better, but that's actually manifesting. And in, in at least about 33% of the people um, are seeing quicker results. So that's a good thing. Uh, and then we talked about takeaways from uh, Dr. Janke's perspective, and there were two uh, significant things that took away from that. And number one was get vaccinated. Uh, you know, we, we've had lots of discussion and lots of opportunity to think about it. Uh, we are the front, front line workers, or uh, I believe her word was front er, er, or frontist, and she's going to have a shirt that's going to be for sale sooner or later on firerescue1.com. I'm telling you that um, we are that front line and we should really be setting that tone, get vaccinated. And then the second bullet I took away from that. Um, and it may sound harsh, but it's real. And that is that death is an awful thing, but so is long-term disability. So you need to make sure that you're doing everything you can to take care of yourself. That's all the time we have for today. We've been talking with Dr. Sarah Janke. Uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been the topic of long COVID. I want to thank our listeners for joining us and staying with us. This is Mark Bache, your executive editor for FireRescue1.com. Join us on Fire Rescue One or FireChief.com for the latest news, training, and information affecting the fire service worldwide. Have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.